0: We can do anything, right? Climate change, all the problems of our time, there's a design solution for that, right? There's a solution where we could use stories, music, anything, right? So don't let anyone tell you that whatever you create is just is trivial, right? Because potentially it could change and move entire masses of people in and in, into a right direction, if you were to to have it so, also in a diff- in the wrong direction, right? Because it has the same power, but just know that choosing to be creative and choosing to to choose for music or design or anything that society would say, well, you know what? Why are you not becoming a lawyer or a software engineer or right anything practical that makes you a lot of money? Right, the act of creation is going to be such an invaluable skill and an invaluable trait to have in the future because there won't be long before computers can do a lot of this stuff and we will need creative people we will need people with empathy and with the ability to conceptually conceive the future one two three
1: four hello everyone and welcome to the power of music thinking My name is Christoph Zirn, and this is the podcast for people with a musical heart and a wicked job. We're looking for stories, insights and tools from the big world of music to inspire leaders and followers to listen, tune, play and perform in whatever field you're operating What are the links between daily work for a multinational company, an omnichannel fantasy story, and playing in a band? Well, my guest today is Elko Lommers, Global Director of Product Experience at IKEA, creator, designer, writer of a not-yet-published novel, and a musician in a post-hardcore band. We talk about empathy with clients, personality in a brand context, and global operations that need adaptations in different markets, and that a lot of countries' cultures is directly related to its original music. We discuss the endless loop of listening, tuning, playing, and performing, how stories change while we tell them to the world, and how the audience plays an active role. Elko shares with us the strategy of promoting his band with a limited budget and how this relates to a global design strategy because every data has a context of delivery for the right moment and audience under the right circumstances. And he conveys with us some details about the novel he just finished writing. A fantasy story about magical places in Germany and mythological creatures that live in a parallel world. As an extension of the book, he plans a whole ecosystem of multi-channel media like locative art, TikTok videos, and a 3D omniverse. And every chapter has an emotion, including a color and a song that connects with the essence of the chapter. He explains this world building and how he uses generative AI ...to build his characters, to brief and guide an illustrator to make the final design. So, technology, content, storytelling and design are not separate activities... ...but an integral part of the total product experience and customer satisfaction. True satisfaction and customer delight happen when all of it comes together... ...to create experiences that solve people's needs in a way worthy of praise remembrance and advocacy. Okay, let's hear about business story and music. Welcome, Elko. Welcome to the power of music thinking.
0: Um, I'm glad to be here
1: great and here in this uh, in this case means most of the, um, the the conversations i have via zoom or uh, via online but you
0: are here you are here in real life in the flesh yeah yeah exactly right it, it's, it's been a long time to be honest uh, to to have a podcast or record something in a physical location right that's been a while
1: and it's sure. a special location so i'm in the bazis W- um, yeah. w- uh, which
0: was uh, the or is now also called the Old
1: Don Rosey, and I heard that you played here.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, I actually did two shows here. Uh, that was a long, long time ago, in, uh back into musical history. In one of my previous bands, that uh, we did an opening act for an American band, and we actually played here once on a festival that they were organizing to, uh, which was called the Grote Prijs van Nederland. Right. And uh, we, we did a show here. So that was uh, I have history with this building. Awesome.
1: Awesome. And now yep. you're at the top of the building. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. We're at the attic all the way on top. <laughs> we're like o- overlooking the spacious uh, city of Nijmegen. So, by the way, what band uh, for what American band did you do the opening? Uh, it was a, it was a post-hardcore band called El Nino. El Nino right uh like, sounds uh, very english very yeah American. Yeah, yeah, yeah well I, I they 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 created um uh yeah, metal combined with uh, salsa and uh, latin American music which is a original kind of take on it but it, it was ah. it was super nice but it's it's been a while right because the last time that the Dorn roche actually hosted uh bands and festivals that's that's quite a while well, they opened up a new location and uh right now this, this building has turned into this uh, creative hub with music at its heart, right? And, and uh, it, that seems right. To, Absolutely. To the, the location for that kind of stuff, right? Cool, so.
1: and here are we. So I always start with my ritualistic question. What was the first sonic experience or album or live performance that had an impact on you? Oh, wow.
0: Well, if I look back on... The first tangible experience, immersive experience, I have with music, and it was a bit of a psychedelical, trippy, uh, trippy one, is is when I um, when I was younger, I bought my first PC, and that was a Tulip two eighty six, like a, an old one, and and I would play copious amounts of games on that. Mm-hmm. And one of the games, of course, like like many of us had back in the day, was Wolfenstein. And the first recollection of music impacting me very much is um, having a record player, like an actual record player, and then playing the whole uh, Electric Ladyland of Jimi Hendrix.
1: Whoa, nice.
0: <laughs> but the thing is, because that's quite a psychedelic record and... Um, like going through the hallways of Wolfenstein, right? Like hunting these uh, Nazi characters and, 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 and fighting. And that in itself is quite a trippy experience, but combined with a record, right? That That was a whole different dimension where I actually found that experiences and visual cues combined with music mm. actually really shape a person's recollection or experience that they have at a certain location or a certain thing. And that's the first time I kind of, was aware of that and uh, until this day whenever i played a record electric ladyland and i close my eyes i can still see the hallways of that game right that's like that's the uh, the association i have with that record right so i would say that's the first um moment of impact that i had with music where i kind of noticed how much of a difference it made right i'd I'd listened to music before that and everybody kind of in the youth such as me would go like with a cassette player and then like record the songs on the radio that you would love the most and i have fond memories of that but this was the first time that i really was in like in awe of of what it could actually do to you right how music can transport you to somewhere else and that music, in that sense, is is um, a very compelling way of shaping experiences.
1: Hmm. I can imagine. Interesting, because there were, in now we would say, two not-synchronized media, because <laughs> the record player, um, uh, vi- the vinyl player, and you had to, to flip the records uh, after 20 minutes, and parallel you were doing something else that... Visually and also sonically are uh, are related, so you made the story out of yeah. your visual senses <laughs> and the and the hearing senses,
0: but that is how stories work, or at least right my perception or my my uh, my belief is that um that's how story works, right like human beings is if there is anything that makes us different, and I think that there's a lot of writers that write about this, Harari in particular. Right, this us human beings, we are storytelling machines, right? We are storytelling beings in that sense that um, this is what sets us apart as as a species, right? We tell stories and, and our ability to rally behind those stories, right? Because everything around us is just a story that we've agreed upon that we are okay with that. Like, even the concept of money, it's a story. It's a concept, right? It's like we said, well, we've agreed with one another. Money holds value, and that's why we exchange it. And because we all believe in the story, that makes it true. So people create the world around the concepts of a story and our ability to align or believe in that same construct. But the thing is, and this is where music and design comes in, is that... Where music is the sonic representation of those stories, design is the visual representation of that, right? And storytelling in itself is how we convey those stories to one another, but whether or not all of these aspects align, right? So sonically, haptically, uh, design-wise. Multisensory. uh, The the multisensory, and it could be two-dimensional, three-dimensional, any dimensions, but it will evoke a certain emotion, and if you know how to combine those aspects around the right type of story, then that creates experiences that people have, either positive or negative. Right? That's uh, that's in the eye of the beholder. But that's how people kind of interact, and that's also the um, um, right the value that music has that is as vastly underrated. As a storytelling mechanism, right? Because we believe oh, it's music, and people like the lyrics, and uh, it conveys that. But the 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 power that music had has in the context of building experiences—that's tremendous. Yeah. Right, and it's very underutilized in in creating all other experiences that might not have music music at their core, but they need. They need the sonic representation of the story that you're kind of that you want to convey, right? right. You could do that with music, you could do that with lyrics, with spoken word, with uh, an audio uh, like a soundscape, a landscape, uh, background ambient. It doesn't really matter as long as you understand what does the sonic representation do with the story, and how would you need it to tap into or to build an experience that would move people in the way that you'd like them to move
1: yeah right i often talk about song style and service and service meaning what is let's say the medium that you offer and sometimes there are different mediums um elko uh, now we have a feel and an idea of your music and story and how does this combine to what you're doing at the moment so who are you and what do you do for a living
0: so at the moment, I am uh, Global Director of Product Experience Design at IKEA, uh, which is a, a big mouthful just saying that I lead uh, design teams in IKEA to develop products and services in different constructs, right? Uh, one of the teams that I've led uh, in the last year was the team around Circular Ventures, where we are looking at how to extend the life cycle of, of furniture, on mm-hmm. how to reuse the materials and how to come up with a circular business model around that, that enables growth through IKEA, but also enables the the reduction of CO two and, and uh, the waste management. Um, I've I've set up the team in Corn home services, which is uh, renewable energy and everything around that. And at the moment, I am helping a team to reframe what we call customer support and remote selling, hmm. which is. Uh, Right. If you look at this from a traditional perspective, it's, it's the push message and the selling, right? but yes. given that IKEA has a quite a different perspective on it, it's, it's more understanding what people need so you can create services and value propositions that could be solved either with a service or a product or a different construct that IKEA can offer to people that would help them to create a better life at home.
1: And, and you do this from out of the Netherlands. So yeah. how is this related? So you just mentioned global director. Does this mean you have teams all over the world and uh, you have to, yeah, to to serve them to, to, be, to be a better team?
0: Um, so at the moment, the team that I lead is located in three locations, Philadelphia, Malmö in Sweden and Amsterdam. And um, other teams that we connect with on a regular basis are in different locations. So we have one, DXD Hub, in Madrid, one in Shanghai. We are building one in, in, in India now. And uh, so there's multiple places across the world where the whole design team is distributed. But at the moment, working mostly together with uh, the team in Philadelphia and with the team in Malmö.
1: Ah, that's nice. If you, if you mention Philadelphia, Malmö, Shanghai, India... And, uh, yeah, it reminds me to a lot of different kinds of music and yep. to a lot of different kinds of cultures. Oh, yeah. And uh, is there any relation that you, that you see in, uh, yeah, in leading a global team with different cultures? Or maybe they have the IKEA culture. And, uh, yeah, how does this relate to, to your music experiences?
0: Well, the funny thing is, is that a lot of of a culture of a country can be deducted from the music that's from that country right or the authentic music right there's always acts that transcend the country or transcend the the background of the country but uh, specifically the folk or the original style of music that comes from a country really says a lot around how culture is built right because every country has original folk music but it's all different in its shape and form Uh, the the more Southern you go, the more exuberant it gets, right? Mm. The more uh, outgoing, the more outside it gets, right? Which also means that um, it's very likely that the culture there is also more outgoing, but also like if if you look at that from a perspective of personality, it's outgoing from the outside perspective, but also difficult to get close to that like the personal aspect because everything happens yeah. outside and not inside. Yeah. Right? So there is there's parallels but it's specifically um which is also a big topic at IKEA is being mindful for these different cultures. Right. And and working with all these different people, right? Because for IKEA having a representation of all these different people and different cultures and different Choices that you make in life, right? Or or the way you perceive yourself or the way you want to be identified, right? All of this is for, yeah, it it matters because it it shows a good um, perspective on how the world has organized. Yeah. And being mindful of these cultural differences and understanding that we can come up with a global whatever, right? Whatever we're developing and we can come up with that. But if we do not take into in consideration that uh, that Germans are completely different than Indians, and that people from the U.S. are nothing like people in Argentina, right? If 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 that's not taken into consideration and adapted to meet the needs of those people locally, right? Adapted from a visual perspective, from a from a a, a tonality perspective, a copy perspective. Of course, it still needs to be within within the, the boundaries of what we've developed but it needs to be adapted to that market. And and this is where often what you see, like if I if relate this to music, is is the, the adaptions that you need to make are the same kind of things that you see reflected in the type of music in the market, right? Mm. If if it needs to be exuberant and outgoing, right? And often the music from that market is the same, right? Yeah. If it needs to be reserved and like formulaic right like for instance in the states it's 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 more formulaic it's more regulated right as the music market in the states is as well that's very formulaic very uh, what's popular there is is what we consider across the world which is almost the scientific formula of what's the perfect pop song and uh, absolutely uh, there's <laughs> like nine writers on a song and then one artist and like there's so many people working on it just to get the formula right and And that like like they score, but it's also try a lot and fail, and there's like so little that actually comes across and and then that represents also how the market in the states actually approaches different things, yep. right it needs to be there's safety built in, there's a lot of people involved just to make sure that the success formula is crafted and followed yeah right, so but it it's super interesting because it it um it you learn a lot from it, but it's also it's instrumental in order to, to be able to, succe- to be successful in all of these different markets. Absol- right? Absolutely. I mean, individuals are, are different, but uh, if you then add cultural context and, and regulations and legislations from a market perspective and then you have continent perspective, right, because Asia is a different continent than Africa, all of that needs to be taken into consideration because there's, there's literally, specifically in the world of today, there's no one-size-fits-all. Yeah. right. It doesn't work.
1: And maybe this was, even in all the centuries before, maybe all the, the, the same, so that one size not ever, uh, every time uh, f- fit at all. Yeah. Um, it, so it's it's a lot of listening. It's a lot of empathy, empathy and context, yep. in, in the sense that we have to understand um, the client and their context. And on the other hand, you have the personality of the brand that might show different sides in different contexts. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think that's an, that's a very interesting one. And uh, and what you just mentioned about the U.S., for example, um, if we make the link with, with popular music as we do it uh, now, it's also much more produced. And the driver actually is the market. Yep. So it's not just making music like you had in former times where you had a composer and they have... They come up with something that no one heard before. And uh, if we if would stay in classical music, would say, he has to write it down in a way that other people can bring it to life and you need a an, an conductor to really understand and train yeah. a team and bring it out. So the driver would be much more, let's say, this one big creative. And now it seems like it's just more producing um, in, in the way so that it, that it fits the market.
0: Yeah, yeah. In in a way, it is. Um, what I do see is that, like music, and, and that's where for me the parallels between music and and my my profession is is very strong. It's um, there's three really important aspects of this, right? First of all, you have the craft, right? It's the craft of doing something you love doing that you do together with people or by yourself where you are knowledgeable, where you extend your skills and where you do things for you, right? And where you can get really good at what you do. Then there's the the audience itself, right? So you can choose to just focus on your craft and not on the audience so not make music that people want to hear. And then yeah. you need to accept the fact that you're doing it for a smaller audience, which is just exactly as it is in design. If you're designing something bespoke because you love it and because you think that the small group of people like you would love it, and that's perfectly fine, right? It just, but it means that it will be very likely that you won't reach a large audience because you didn't take into consideration what they would want to hear. And then there's the context of the experience around that, right? Where you can, you can build the craft and you can mind the audience. But if you don't mind the context, right? The timing, the delivery, the aspects around the music, right? Because design is design, but if I would design a story and I would just make it visual but not mindful of the storyline itself, the copy or the delivery mechanism or seeding it in at the right time, right, when it, when it's the timing, then it will still not reach the audience in, in today's market, right? And And sometimes, like you say, right, a lot of safety mechanisms are built in nowadays to both in design and in music to make sure that you reach critical mass. And sometimes that leads to to really original or great acts. Most of the time it means everything is, well, uh, not not to say bland, but it's Mm. not that exciting. And every now and then you have an act, like both in design or in music, that stands out because they do something completely new that people find refreshing and then um you'd see the trend of that is that that works for a year and then others will pop up that love that and start to mimic that and then you have a whole new stream and then it becomes the norm again and then right. that becomes rooted in the experiences that we expect right because expectations of an audience is it plays also a big part in 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 what you create right Absolutely. You, you can create something with the intent or in mind with the empathy of doing something for someone or for a group of people but their expectations yeah might be different right so knowing and and this is the beauty of what i found the beauty of music that has taught me just as much on design as it as design taught me on design is is Understanding the expectations of an audience by getting out there and just sharing your craft and, and whatever it is they have with the world and seeing how the audience directly responds to it, which is why I love music. <clears throat> it, because you get the direct response that in design you might not have, because it's right. not like you're, like if you're designing something, that you're going to watch everyone that interacts with yeah. whatever you created. And that's the beauty on music, it's that. You get to experience that. You get to stand on a stage, do your thing, and then there's an audience that gives you a response, and based on that response and how they react, and maybe one show you did something slightly different and everybody loved it, and they go, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, right? Right. It's the same craft. But the it's, delivery, the experience that you're delivering is different, yeah. and it's that It's like matters. an
1: endless loop in, in yeah. that way. It's like listen, tune, play, and perform, and while exactly. you perform... There's someone listening to you. And in the way you perform into the listening of yep. your audience and in the way how they respond, you might change directly if you can improvise or do amendments. And that's the
0: beauty. Any story that's we, that we as human beings create, whether that's musical, visual, or, or however you want to shape your stories, they change based on the interaction that we have with people that consume the story that we're putting out into the world
1: and in digitalization you could say that's also difference So because you can measure everything and let's say if we do perform as a digital product, as a digital service, Mm -hmm. um, and if we listen very, very, very focused and listening means listening with your whole body and also with the whole body of an organization. So it's like the multisensory listening and then you would get information. That's the quantitative part. And you have to make some kind of sense out of it. Why do they do it? Because data only tells you that it's happening that way. So yeah. it's also good to understand. And in that way, I think it's very comparable with um, oh, learning music and, and producing. Well, the,
0: the data in the end are the ticket sales, right? It's like the amount of people that visited a concert, the amount of uh, like tickets sold, the amount of CDs sold, the amount of people that liked your music, the amount of people that followed you on Facebook, right? It's the metrics that show you or that give an indication on how people respond to what you put out there, right? Like um, in, in design or in, in digital product development, it's the same, right? As if, if people connect to your product and there's metrics to show that people are moving in a certain way, that's that's an indication, right? But it's only an indication because that needs interpretation, yeah, yeah. right? Because in the end, if you don't analyze the data, you might like assume that, you sold all of those tickets because they loved you, right? But if you don't take into consideration that you were the opening act of a really big, famous band mm. that is contextual to the success of, of the metrics, right? That needs analyzation. That yes. You need to analyze that. Yeah, right. Right, that's not something... It's a difference between listening and understanding. Yeah. And, and data is tremendously helpful. It's, it's magnificent, right? Because it allows us to... Know things that we were not knowledgeable of before because we simply couldn't measure it. And now with the data, right, not just in design but in music as well, we understand better how people respond to things and when they respond to it and where they respond to it. I remember, as an example, when my previous band that I'm in, um, we released a video. It would have been five years ago now. <clears throat> and what kind of music was it? It's a, a post-hardcore band uh, called Phoenix Ashes. Phoenix Ashes. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, what we did, or what I used, is is social engineering to promote that video. Of course, by, by after that, a lot of bands kind of picked it up. But what I did is I, I tapped into the community. And I said, "Look, uh, we're an up-and-coming band, and we'd love to get 300 shares of our new video." And then people started sharing it because they they uh, they they wanted to support underground music. And then I started promoting it, right? Because I knew from the algorithms, and that that that's the context, right? The mechanism is like we cr- we did the craft. We looked at what we wanted to achieve. And then the contextual thing was is I, I promoted that knowing that it would be shared or it was shared and I promoted it because because it was shared to promotion was much more effective. So what we did is we looked at the metrics and said, well, in order to for this to be picked up by an algorithm mm-hmm. right, that shares it naturally without us paying for it, we need to get quick and large volume. So we advertise it and we spend 300 euros on advertising which is quite minimal mm. right for a, uh for a band for a video and and their purpose was to get the maximum amount of leverage out of it mm. so what we did is we we promoted it for for four days in as many markets as possible but we really targeted it well to similar bands and and people that loved uh underground harder music and focusing on markets that we would expect to...
1: So let's say a clear market segment? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the world. market
0: is <laughs> South America, um, Western Europe, States, Australia, Indonesia region, because we knew, right, or we expected it to be more popular there.
1: Right. What platform did you use? Uh,
0: we used Facebook and, and Instagram. Huh. Right. Okay. And then what happened then is within a week we found... That there were three markets that were actually outperforming the rest, right? Which was Brazil, Indonesia, and Germany. Wow. So we we focused all the budget on those three markets. Okay. Right? Just to make sure that we would get the spread and the leverage and we would get more shares. So for 300 euros, we ended up getting a half a million plays, over 1,500 shares. I think 72,000 likes. I don't know how many comments. And a lot of followers on our other platforms. Right, And this is the contextual side of data, is like without having the metrics showing you exactly what is going on, you cannot take action on it. And it's just an hypo- uh, like a hypothesis that you w- will only be able to prove over time. And data allows you to make quicker decisions on that. But they always require context, right? Regardless where you use data, data in itself is just ones and zeros. Yeah, it just absolutely. gives you... What happened? It just doesn't tell you why it has happened, yeah and, and you that's can
1: important. And you can just say every data has context, yeah. so just to know that there is data is what you just said. Um, yeah, not exactly interesting. <laughs> yeah,
0: so and, and this is again the parallel with with design and anything is there that if you if you are able to measure what happens. And you'd be able to to test out and hypothesize why it has happened. And you put it out there with an hypothesis and you test it and you try it and you try different things and you fail, right? Hopefully, you'll fail a lot because it means you learn a lot. But you'll try all these things until you find for this particular period in time, for that segment, for that market, this works. Because the funny thing is, is what works today might not work tomorrow. Because tomorrow the world is different. Right. right? And this is not just in design or in product development. That's in music as well, right? You might be super popular today, but tomorrow there's another thing that's popular, right? Or maybe maybe today it's picked up in the States and then it takes half a year for it to, to land in Sweden, the Netherlands, Belgium, right? Whatever. And that just takes... Time, right. right but you need to know where to focus on and what will happen because the world it's, it's it's a continuous effort of being in touch with what you are doing and how you are delivering that context of what you're doing to the world out there where you want to share what you want to share right if you only focus on your craft it there's less of that but even artists that are independent that that say they're absolutely not commercial in any way they will have a need or a sense to be able to document or share their music. Whether that be a really small audience, whether it's just for yourself, right? It's still the the urge as a human being to create these stories, either by making art, by designing, by making music. And first you do it for yourself. But if you only truly would do it for yourself, there would be no need to record it. There would be no need to actually hang the painting on the wall. You would just paint and then destroy the painting... Because there's no purpose to the painting. There's no purpose of keeping the idea if you only do it for yourself. So the fact that you're saving it means either you want to revisit it one day, want to look on it, want to enjoy your craft, enjoy what you did, or you'd like other people to see it. Whether or not you want to commercially benefit from it, that's a different story, right? But if you are out there creating art for anyone in this world, whether that be small or large group, And that comes into play, that contextualization of how do you deliver whatever you do at the right moment for the right audience with the right context under the right circumstances.
1: Right. And we often look for, especially for, let's say, the hidden champions, the not not yet artists that break through. And I just want to mention um, that every trend has a counter trend. So yes. if everybody is now talking about that one thing, whatever it is, you will know there's something else that will start maybe right away and go into, in the different direction. And this also means, I think, for, for music, and, uh, or for the being successful in music and also in business, there are no best practices in that way. You just can tell the story of the data. No. And data means always information from yesterday
0: and beyond. So yep. that's the interesting
1: part and
0: also data is always looking back. Absolute. It's looking back and predicting what might happen. But the predicting is always a hypothesis that you'd need to go out and prove and then know what you want to measure in order to see whether that has happened what you predicted would happen. But it's like data is always looking back. The same as generative AI that's like a big topic on the, at the moment. That's also it's looking back at what has been done and reproduces something that has been already produced and condenses that into something new but the what is produced is not new it's based on what has been done the same as data produces results of the past right and to utilize that to produce something that is the future that always takes human beings uh, that's why it takes human beings to predict or to to, to to understand what we need to do with the data just as much as we need human beings to understand what we can do with generative AI to to create the world of tomorrow, right? However you want to put that. And music the same thing, right? If you do not take what you see today and then do a counter movement or go in a different direction and try something new, you never you will never get to a new place. And the beauty of music is that from a mechanical point of view, right, so all the scales, all the rhythms, all the constellation of chords, all the movements in music have been done, period. There's nothing that is truly original, and we cannot, right, because people are have been making music for as long as there were people. So anything has already been done, it's just... How you deliver something, and this is why the experience of music is so important is your delivery and the timing and the context of how you deliver it to whom that matters because that 's where newness like it 's not the music that 's new, but it 's the experience of the yeah. music that 's new
1: that 's why for example, um, if younger people they they get um, they hear a song that the older people already know for thirty years and it now pops up in TikTok or or somewhere else... Um, then everybody say, "Wow, this is a cool song, Wow, and everything and, and other people say, "Hang on, I heard this when I was your age so yeah. that 's interesting exactly the, the the context and when you hear things for the first time, for example exactly with but the, with with the cover versions, some people know a cover version earlier than the original, and then they think this might be the cover of <laughs> of the cover
0: <laughs> yeah, and in the end it doesn 't really matter that much right because it 's the it's it's the essence of the creator, right? So whether it's a cover or not, it's the originator that created the first piece of art that made it relevant. And if then somebody covers it for a new generation, and it makes it relevant again for that generation by adding a new context to it, it just it's just as valid, right? Because the previous uh, the the person who wrote it first also got inspired, right? And there is Sometimes a thin line uh, between being inspired and basing things off of uh, 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 like creation of someone else, and even though that everybody loves to be uh, create their own things, I I truly believe that um, even in like specifically in music, there is nothing wrong with being heavily inspired or even duplicating what other people have done before you but creating a different experience with it.
1: Absolutely. Right,
0: because no matter, even if, if we look at really uh, innovative musical artists like Tigran Hamasyan, for instance, right, he uses polyrhythm in a, a, a free-form music constellation, um, but uses uh, components from gent metal, jazz, world music, and, and 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 adds like a, this polyrhythm and musical madness to it but individual the mechanical components are not different it's like like he's doing anything else than some of the composers before him but by creating the experience around it the atmosphere and the contextual timing and now he's doing this for an audience and the world has gotten bigger right it's not just the Audience that would that used to listen to that kind of music, right? Because the music spreads a lot further than that, yeah. which gives it the different context.
1: And you don't always do something just for the market. Okay, everybody no. would like to have an audience, and if there's a bigger audience, then there's also a different a different uh, model. Or, but it's not. There's no no guarantee. Well, um, but
0: that but that's the thing, right? Often new context um, around existing music arises out of people that want to create an experience first and foremost because they would like to see where the experience takes them. Right. It's where they can convey their craft in a way that fits them. And if then an audience picks that up, then there's something new that happens. However, if 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 you build music on a formula, right, that it's not so much about the experience but about the formula which happens quite a bit in pop music and there's nothing there I don't like there's nothing wrong with that it's just a different approach to things that's perfecting a mechanism that we know of that works yeah right and this is when something new arises and somebody else takes that and perfects it that's why the first people that often try out a new musical direction are never the ones that historically become the biggest artists in that musical direction that's usually when there's a lot of writers and a lot of people come together in the room looking at the formula, looking at why, looking at the data, was like why was that doing so well at this particular point in time, given that context? They analyze that and go, well, if we know that, we can optimize that, right? If we need to tweak this and that, and then they get an artist in to reproduce that, which yeah. is pretty much like not necessarily copying one-on-one what the previous artist did, but it's Borrowing everything that made that unique and successful, and they create a new musical direction with that. It's a little
1: bit like Apple didn't invent the phone,
0: so yeah. Just but understood what was going on
1: and what was uh, possible. Even
0: more so, Apple didn't didn't even invent the smartphone. Actually, was this really smart guy at Nokia that um, for I believe it was Nokia that uh, invented the smartphone and presented it to Nokia. Nokia was like, well, not having it, <laughs> and then he went to Apple. Right? It's either Nokia or one of the other companies that yeah. were just like that past, even the digital camera, right? It's like the digital camera was sponsored and funded by Kodak. But when the time came that it turned out that they could actually make it work, Kodak said, "Nah, if we do this, right, we're going to cannibalize our own business model. So let's not go into this." And they, that was the downfall of them.
1: So there's the the business decision was killing was killing the new. Um, um, I heard last in a, in an interview with Iggy Pop and, and Brian Eno. And uh, they were talking about the 70s and about music that were when they were, when uh, Boy was working on uh, Low and Heroes and also with Harmonia with the German Krautrock and mm-hmm. <laughs> experimental uh, uh, bands. And uh, then, then they, they had that quote like from, oh, wow. This was really cool, making music without the business model. And, and it, in, in now, nowadays it, it looks like that you first want to read something and then it's just a means to an end instead of just uh, just trying something. But that's the biggest um, opportunity for everyone who's listening, just starting up with something. And also Van Gogh, um, how many um, paintings did he sell in his lifetime? I think it's two. I think I, I think I one heard each, from one, one to his brother it, it was um, uh, the portrait of the uh, in the, the the production of these uh, sinks, <laughs> and I, I saw it there in a museum. So just just saying, um, wherever you can be happy with and yeah. uh, and can make a living and do what you think what what is good, um, you should do, and. I would like to segue into another field. Um, you um, were writing or you're in the middle of writing also yeah. a novel.
0: Yeah, the, the novel is finished um, and it taps very much into what I was saying earlier, right? I, I, I'm in design at the moment. Uh, I'm a musician and I have pretty much do everything I can get my hands on when it comes to creativity. Right So I write, I write music, I write lyrics, I design, I service design, I've illustrated, I've done video editing, I've created videos, I created narratives, I make soundscapes, poems, right I am what one would call a, 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 a how would you say, a, a, an omni-channel storyteller. I recognize that stories move people, and whenever I do have a story or whenever I do have, see a need for people to be moved, I go look for the right medium, right? And so it happened to be that I had this idea for a novel. So I wrote the novel in, in the times of corona, which a lot of us did. But the idea behind it is, is slightly different. So I, I based the novel on actual historical... mythological things and actual locations Uh, back then I was living in Germany and And, and where in Germany in Cologne in Cologne yeah and um, I took pretty much the whole landscape of Germany to write a book about these different locations and their mythological creatures there can you give us an example so in the in in the book, there is this character, and she is she ends up in a parallel world, and that world is is where all of the fantasy creatures that we know of, right? Whether that's going to be werewolves or whether that's uh, goblins or uh, if you go in German, that's that's uh, for instance a uh, um, uh, what I need to pronounce that in the right way. It's it's. The, it's it's a German term for a, a, a creature that is partly that has diff- different parts from different animals, it's, and it's called a Wolpertinger or wor- a Wolpertinger. Wolpertinger. Yes, Wolpertinger, Wolpertinger, indeed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and in this particular book, for instance, there is a Wolpertinger, and uh, this is a white cat with duck wings and antlers, right? Which is ju- very much a thing in German folklore, where you have these hybrids of different beasts, often a rabbit with antlers and wings, right, or different constellations. Uh, but also uh, Nachtsere, which is the German uh, uh, version of a vampire, but slightly different, right? So I took all of these mythological creatures from the region and I crafted this alternate world where these creatures are real and where there will be places between this dimension and the next where they actually sometimes pass through or uh, are visible for the people in this world. This is where our folklore comes from. And, in this particular case, the character in the book travels through that world to find her way home and um it's it, there's quite some bits of bits of pieces on on creation philosophy in the book and and mm-hmm. why parallel woods could exist and, and and what she has to do with that, but I'm not going to spoil too much around that <laughs> um, but the idea that I have is that I've built this world and it's based on a larger construct of what it means to be creative or what it means to so well, I wanted, like, around the question, what is real, right? What's reality? So one of the things or one of the ideas that I'm working on now is that I'd like to have backstories of the story, but in different channels, right? In videos that live either on YouTube, on TikTok or anywhere else that provide backstories and that provide layers of context to the main story. Right, there's, you, you can literally, in the book, the the, the, the main character travels across Germany, locations are Germany, Poland, I think, Hungary apart. And you can you can actually literally get in the car and drive the route that I've created in the book. Nice. You can literally do that. And every location, every castle, every windmill, every river that's in the book, it's an actual place in the real world that you can visit and, and pass by.
1: Great research. So you could even do locative art.
0: Yes, yes. So I actually created a, an actual map that people could drive if, if it were to be, right? And and one of the ideas that I have, I'd love to create, for instance, a virtual 3D environment where if you sit at home, where you could just open your phone and look through uh, your phone as, as it were a thin space or a window into the other world and see the other world because the other world is just like this world. It's just slightly different. It slightly deviates... Because it lacks human presence, right? It just has different creatures and no humans, or very little. Ah, oh, okay. So it's 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 a, so that's like uh, so I'm creating this omniverse around this story because I have this story in my head, but I also realize it's not just a story just for writing. It's also a story for experiencing. So one of the things that we're doing now with the band I'm in is is every chapter has has a, an emotion. Right, so the the title of the chapter is an emotion. We've selected a color for every emotion, and the idea is in time to to create a song for every chapter that kind of takes the essence of the chapter and builds a song around that. Which, on one hand, could be like dynamic black metal because like the emotion could be hate, mm-hmm. right? And another where it's where it's uh, let's say peace, peacefulness, or an emotion that's less aggressive it could be really mellow really spun out music that fits the color that fits the chapter and we would create a video for that particular so we create this ecosystem of a multiverse around the concept of a multiverse in the book All right? just to make sure that once we've created that foundation that i can then hopefully at a certain point just open it up and say, look, this is the world, right? Of course, the the core essence in the book and the characters, I'm going to continue on that because I'm I'm writing the outlines for a second book at the moment. But I'd also like people to take these characters and visualize how they believe they would look, right? Or create their own backstories of things and that we can create this omniverse of conceptual stories because I think that would be amazing.
1: Absolutely, and it's something very much in time, in mm-hmm. time of uh, trying to combine or trying to combine combining things in the real and in the digital world. Yeah, and uh, and and I even see, or yeah, I think it's very obvious um, that these all things are connected together. So we just started with with the IKEA and the world and the different uh, kinds of the world. And uh, mm-hmm. how the products, um, the global, um, the global products and services um, w- will will come out, combined with the music and also with a novel that is n- a novel story that yep. is can be yeah m- maybe there would be even a story where they go into a certain shop to buy a certain thing. Oh yeah, co-
0: <laughs> but this is so. The nice thing about specifically world building, right? Because world building around the construct of a story has been proven to work quite well, right? Like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the Star Wars Universe, like there's multiverses of stories around the single storyline or story construct that have proven to be successful because people like the idea of the consistency of a world, right? Which is also why I'm exploring this because whatever, a story never stands alone. Right, because the beauty of stories, like specifically books or music, is that one's interpretation that you give to a book or a piece of music creates a whole world in its own. Yes, right, and that creativity that everybody has on envisioning what the world looks like, envisioning what it should or would be, that in itself is tremendously valuable, and and can create stuff that you can even couldn't even dream about by yourself. Right, and this is why. Even if you would just write the book, there will always be a multiverse of that right because there is a there will be fans of your book that will create art for you, right and the people will write backstories, people will start making videos, people have their own interpretation, so let's say there's a hundred thousand people reading your book that's a hundred thousand versions of the characters in your book that's a hundred thousand kind of fantasies of how the story plays out, a hundred thousand visualizations in people's yeah. heads. So in it that's 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 already a hundred thousand multiverses of one story. Absolutely. That's and that's what the book is about, actually. It's like well, who gets to decide when what is real when we live in a world when my reality always differs from yours? Right? So who gets to decide what is real or not?
1: And that's the charming thing of a of a book, or to start with a book. Yep. Um because if you just write the book, which is still, I would say, valid, um, all these ideas that emerge in your brain, in your imagination, in your special experience that you had before, and that you can create, and uh, th- that's yeah, that's marvelous,
0: absolute. Yeah, and, and the lovely thing is is that the time to do such a thing is is fantastic, right? Because one of the, one example is. To explore just what the characters could look like, I've used generative AI, to, just like and I, I've spent days and like because anybody that says, well, yeah, but you just asked that thing a question and it just like produces an image. Well, that may be, but I have a vision in my head of what I want the characters to look like. So on one character, I spend days and days to get AI to visualize it in the way that I see it visually in my head.
1: Right, you ask as long as this vision that you already have. You adapt, is adapt you, you
0: because I'm not like an illustrator on that level, right? So, and I could go out to an illustrator and ask them, but then I'm also again constricted by what they offer me. And this is, for instance, the from a conceptual perspective, uh, AI that generates images is tremendously helpful because while you are searching, you're shaping. Uh, the perspective of that person going forward, right? And and you adapt by what you see. You go, like, oh, I didn't think about this, but this is amazing, right? I need to integrate that into my next question or my next prompt that I give. So it helps you visualize your ideas in a way that if you would then reach out to an illustrator, you can give them a much better briefing on exactly where you want this to be. So yeah. you're not going to get disappointed. The illustrator can make work that makes everyone happy. Right, and they have a really good foundation to start upon. Absolutely, and, and, and
1: you can do it in two different ways. You could yeah. give all these instructions that you gave AI. You could give the illustrator, or and they you were could, good nuts. Or, or, or you could get <laughs> the the fully generated uh, picture and to give them th-
0: this as an as yeah, or a mood board with a couple of examples of well, this is in the direction where I think the character should look like. Now, help me shape that character, right? Or if I, I like give the community an image. It's like, well, this is what the main character looks like. What do you think she needs to look like? And they're going to use that as a starting point and create so many deviations. Right. And that's the beauty of it. And and that's why I really do believe that the technology that we have today is tremendously going to help creatives, even though that I fully appreciate, understand that it's scared for people at the same time, right? Because if the machine can do the basics Right, the hygienic design things and producing visuals at a certain quality level. There will be people that are fearing, it's like, well, yeah, what does this mean for my creativity when there is a chatbot that can write a book? Well, it could write the mechanical part of the book, but without the human aspect, without the empathy of people, without the human-centered thinking, without conceptual thinking, without understanding where the book needs to go next... No machine will do anything for you. It needs to be fed. It needs to be guided, right? So whatever, as a creative, you are doing, these tools are tremendously helpful. They shorten the time between the the idea that you have and the conception of the first draft of the idea that helps you shape and visualize where you want to take it. And I see that as a huge opportunity because it opens up creation on a broader scale. Because before... If you wanted to publish your book and get everything illustrated and do all of this that I'm just talking about, you'd need 100,000 euros. Because that would put what you would spend on all of these different people. And I'm not saying they're not worth their money. I'm just saying that's not affordable for everyone. So you need to first achieve a certain amount of success before you can even afford to think in those directions. And in today's world, we have so many tools available that we can actually craft these immersive stories over so many different uh, uh, touch points that it allows people that are creative, that are starting to make an impact with stories that move people. And this is what I think is really good about these developments. They need to be regulated, yes, right? They need to be taken as tools and not as outcomes.
1: Right, I think that's the most important thing. And also the invitation to use the tool Instead of refusing it and on the on the other hand, if we really talk about a tool you mentioned earlier um, something like the craft, um, there can also be a craft in giving the right prompt, yeah so the more you do, the more you do from out of craft perspective to do it for your own sake, to really try to make quality and not just mention yeah. something, this will create more quality. And there are different tools that uh, everybody can use.
0: Every creator out there knows that if you receive a shitty briefing, the end result is not going to be good. It's uh, The principle of shit in, shit out, it's known to everyone. And the same applies to the machine. So and you and feed you, the machine invaluable information; it will not give you what you need,
1: but it will give it you right away. And maybe that's good. Maybe to just before you try to write your briefing, just fill, fill it into ChatGPT and see what it what comes out of it, literally. And yeah. then maybe you think about it and do it in a different way and give it to real creatives.
0: Exactly, but there's. So one interesting part, and then, then also connecting that back to music, is there is an interesting development that took place, I would say, seven, eight years ago, which obviously comes from Japan because only in Japan, right? Um, and it's called a Vocaloid.
1: Yeah.
0: Right, uh, which is pretty much, I would say, a crowdsourced pop star, crowdsourced music. So what happened is that there was a person or a group of people that thought it would be amazing to have lots of composers compose music and feed that into an algorithm. A lot of copywriters, text writers did the same thing. And then they start releasing AI generated songs with that, right? Or they took, like somebody took all of that and wrote a song based on all of that information. And then they pushed into the market and whatever responded well, they would feed back into the machine. Right, and whether that machine is powered by humans or an algorithm, right, that doesn't really matter. It's it's a a machine that takes all of that information and produces something as a, as a construct or a formula, as as you will. But they did that in every aspect, right? Musically, lyrically, but also visually, right? It's an anime character. What should they look like, right? So the biggest uh, uh, component or the biggest pop star at the moment is Hatsune Miku and she is um crowdsourced the way she looks the way she interacts with the audience that's completely based on how people respond to earlier um releases of music or interactions that they have the music that is there has been based on the the, the taste of the crowd so it's the nobody has decided on anything for that pop star apart from the crowd itself and the amazing thing is is that They do shows. There's a 20-piece band, like an actual live band, and they project that pop star on a screen in 3D or augmented reality, as you will, on a stage, and she delivers a show. And the way they program that visual AI of that character is if the audience responds in a certain way, the AI is is, is trained to respond back in a certain way to to give the people the perfect experience. Now, one could argue whether or not that's like a real thing or not. I just know that that virtual pop star is selling out stadiums across the world, right? And that I've seen shows in Japan of people going completely insane over an animated character that was crowdsourced, that, that that is singing vocal lines that nobody actually sang, that's taken from all these different singers that have sung in different words and syllables and all of that and they just create an artificial voice with that using the same resonance right the same frequency uh range so the voice always sounds similar and they just create one algorithm out of that that produces that voice Right, so the voice is not even real. Maybe some parts of that are because there was a singer that sang that in and just happened to come close to that.
1: Right, there's material and there are creatives that they're yeah, lending because their I- voice. Yeah, if,
0: if they look at all of the things that are recorded and there's this one um, female singer's voice that resembles exactly what the algorithm would put out, they deconstruct that voice and it's going to be the voice of that singer, but with aspects of all the other ones, right? With mimicry and, and vocal uh, presence of these different singers, condensed into one algorithm. And one could argue, well, but that's, that's not real, is it? But then again, what is?
1: Absolutely. It's, it's the same like, um, I would like to make a, the link with, uh, again with the novel, because um, you know the novel um, from William Gibson Ida mm-hmm. because it's exactly what you just described. But he wrote that book 20 years ago. Yep. And uh, um, also when we talk about the metaverse, which is a, 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 a name that uh, um, Neil Stevenson coined in the beginning of the 90s. So I love to, to read, let's say, speculative fiction. Yep. And I think that part we could also use, I think, one of the most famous quotes from William Gibson. It's, uh, it's like, the future is already here, but it's not evenly distributed. So some people already are doing it, and some people are somewhere else. And while the, uh, that kind of future is distributed everywhere, some new future emerges.
0: Yeah, but that's the, I think that's the beauty of fiction, right? Fiction is just a future waiting to happen, right? Because that, like uh, pretty much, let's say, all the books that, that write about things in the near future, right? a lot of them have, came, have come true, right? When it's about, well, you have science fiction, right? Where, where there, it's probable, and then you have... A speculative fiction. Speculative fiction, but then you also have fantasy fiction, right? <laughs> Which, of course, uh, the, 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 the probability that elves and trolls will ever work this world is slightly lower than uh, the other, like the speculative <laughs> or scientific fiction. Uh, but it's, it's an exponent of the, of the creative creativity and the fantasy of the human mind and that's what i like about stories it just conveys thoughts that people have and this is also why the metaverse and these kind of concepts they're not new people have been thinking about the concept of the metaverse since there were people right Right. the greeks and the romans even before that the sumerians right they wrote about these parallel worlds or the idea of gods and things and that would uh, come down from the heavens and change the world as we know it, right? All of that is just exactly like the uh, the metaverse as a space for you to be in virtual Valhalla, to be who you want to be, right? Resembles like the old age idea of, of heaven or the next life or a different life where you could be the perfect you, right? So the idea is not new, it's just technology... And the way humanity progresses in in the means of delivering the story, right? Because there's a there's an article online. I'll I'll send it to you. Uh, it's it's about the two things a two string theory that talks about it's either definition or availability, right? So that's um, what it's called distribution. Yeah.
1: Now we will put it in the show notes. Yeah, and also from William Gibson, he also um wrote um books later books or that are in a, in a in a parallel uh, uh universe and you can go back and forth but then you get i think it's called stubs so if there's something changed so you, you get like in a mind map you get different variation of the same so this even means that not the future can divert in different directions, but also your your past
0: oh yeah but that's but so whether we believe in the concept of a multiverse or not is irrelevant because we're already living in one, right? Because your reality is vastly different than mine, right? Or anyone else's, right? Everybody is living in their own heads. Everybody experienced their life the way with, with them as the center person in the story and no, no one else experiences it like that. So with uh, it almost, like 9 billion people or something living on this planet, or was it like... A lot of people, but all of these people on the planet, we're already currently on this world experiencing as many multiverses as there are people, because each of our experiences are different. And being mindful of this also helps us to create things with that mind, knowing that no matter what you do, no matter how how you control the music you create or the story that you make, people are going to make something out of that whether you like, it's not, they're doing it consciously. It's just, it's perception, right? That's the way they experience it. And that just is an amazing concept, right? Just to to understand it's, to have true empathy is impossible because true empathy means that you get to understand and exactly know what it is to be the other person and we will never be able to get there. But this is something and this also it comes back in that two, uh, the two-string theory, that's the aim, the aim of definition and the aim of, of availability or um, the delivery and, and, and of, of technology and new things that we create. They are aimed towards getting to a position where we could have an experience of another person where we get to experience truly what it is to be someone else, right? And this is why the multiverse aspect appeals to so many people, because you get to experience for once what it is to be another character. This is why World of Warcraft online or games or MMOs or anything like that are so popular.
1: Role plays, you try to switch into another person.
0: Because the human mind is curious on... This is my story. I know my story, right? I'm living my story. But what about the other one, right? What is what is what is that about? Right? How I'd does like it look understand. from that
1: perspective? Yeah. Right.
0: So people are automatically looking for this, right? People are looking for a multiverse because they know there are so many perspectives and it's interesting because it gives us a perspective to step outside of what we are and who we are in order for us to experience something that could be profoundly... Uh, profoundly change your life or give you a different perspective on the world, so specifically with all the issues that we have at the moment in this world, it would not be a bad thing to have more empathy.
1: Absolutely. And uh, so if empathy is our red red line through our talk, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we started with, <laughs> also talked about IKEA, IKEA, the uh, the global de- developments, uh, about music, about a novel that can Manifest itself in different variations, and also using uh, artificial intelligence. But there is in the in the in the core there is empathy and a story.
0: Yeah. So, Elko, is there something that we didn't touch? I think we touched upon pretty much everything. Right. I, I'm always glad to come back and, and and discuss other things or other topics or dive deeper into things. But uh, from that perspective, right, the one thing I'd like to kind of Nudge everyone is is knowing what we know of the world and the fact that we are human beings that create stories that are successful based on our ability to have empathy, right? to to understand the context of which we deliver these stories. I'd like to advocate for creativity and design as something to, to strongly focus on right, in education, in in the focus of, of the younger generation, and they're all already doing it, right? If you see TikTok, you might agree with the medium and everything around that, but they're using a certain amount of creativity to express themselves, and the other people in their generation respond positively to it. And we might not always get what that's about, but that's also a process of getting older, right? But it's, I truly believe that, Most of the big issues of our time could be solved with creative thinking and design. However, we need to change our perception on the value of stories and design and creativity and not dismiss it as, you know what, that these are these creative people and they make art or they do something creative and ah, that's cute and nice, right? It's an essential human aspect that makes who we are. Right, and it makes humans human is our ability to create, our ability to craft stories and to convey them and to bind people together. Right? The whole concept of religion is based around that. Right? And if, if we can do religion and move so many people in a certain direction, then we can do anything. Right, Climate change, all the problems of our time, there's a design solution for that. Right? There's a solution where we could use stories, music, anything right so don't let anyone tell you that whatever you create is just is trivial right because potentially it could change and move entire masses of people in in, into a right direction if you were to to have it so also in a different in the wrong direction right because it has the same power but just know that choosing to be creative and choosing to to choose for music or design or anything that society would say, "Well, you know what? Why are you not becoming a lawyer or a software engineer or right anything practical that makes you a lot of money, right? The act of creation is going to be such an invaluable skill and an invaluable trait to have in the future, because there won't be long before computers can do a lot of this stuff. And we will need creative people. We will need c- people with empathy and with the ability to conceptually conceive the future. And where we need to take this and to, philosoph- to, to, to to use philosophy to talk about the human condition and whatever it is that we do or need to do on an ethical manner, on an inclusive manner, and how we shape ourselves as humanity, we don't need all these technical professions for that. right? We need creativity and empathy and design and, and all of it, right? So, so that was the last thing I had to say.
1: So the circle is round. Thank you for coming to a place where you have been before, <laughs> being <laughs> creative on the stage, playing as a musician, and now we talk about from the business world to the music world to ideas to virtual worlds. Thank you very much for coming to, welcome. to, the, to the Power of Music Thinking podcast.
0: You're welcome and, and lovely to be here.
1: Thank you you so much for listening. I really appreciate this, because listening is one of the top leadership skills, and I feel honored about this. It is my mission to find, create, and share inspirations for meaningful collaboration based on music analogies. If you want to support this, please subscribe to the podcast, give us a rating, or write a review on iTunes or Spotify. And more inspirations can be found on musicthinking.com. We have a blog, and you can download the Music Thinking framework. And finally, I would love to hear your feedback. And if you need help with a business challenge, please reach out to me via email, podcast at musicthinking.com.